And I just want to prepare you. Today's message is for you. If, if We're going to talk about the home the next couple of weeks, but that home may be one person. You may be a young person living in a home uh, with many people. You may be Project Hope is in the house today. Yes. You may be one person in a very crowded room with other people you've never met before. You're functioning as a home. And, and there, there is a way that God's Word teaches us to function in a home. Look, if we don't have peace at home, it's really hard for us to function anywhere else. And so it's important. So whether you're 10 in here today and you're hearing about the home, which most of them are in children's church, or you're living alone or you're living with a group. It doesn't matter. Today's message is going to apply to you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Not a usual verse that we use for a study on the home. I titled today Foundation. Foundations. Because the foundation has got to be right. If it's not right, we've got to work on getting it right. And it's so important because if the foundation is not built correctly... We have any, we got some construction guys in the house. You construction guys and gals, raise your hands. Hey, if, if there's something wrong with the foundation, we have to go back and fix that. Because anything else that we add on top of it is in trouble if the foundation isn't right. So Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking and he said, therefore, verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, or is a doer of the word, another verse says, is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Or I think the King James Version says, great was the fall of it. How many of you grew up singing a song about this in Sunday school yeah. or children's church? The wise man built his house upon the rock. You remember? This scripture is so powerful because we have a misconception sometimes that if we're Christians, nothing bad is going to happen. And then something happens and we're like, now wait a minute. This says the storms came, the winds blew, the, it rained, the floods came up on both of these houses. In fact, both of these houses heard the word. Both of them. It wasn't like one was foolish because it didn't listen to God, didn't hear the word of God. Both of these, I'm going to say families, we're exposed to God's word. There's only one difference in what they did. And that's what they did. One did off of what they heard. And the other did not. 
And then things happened, and one stood, and the other did not. So if, if we're going to want our, our homes, whether that's a home of one or a home of ten, to stand through, we live in a cursed earth. I don't know if y'all have noticed it or not, but if you want something good to happen, you have to sow for it. And, and the Word of God teaches us that. If you want something good to happen, you sow for it, right? If we, there's stuff out there. And things happen around us. Situations come up in life that aren't pleasant. That, that we didn't ask for or we did ask for. Either way, things happen that aren't pleasant that can either destroy you and shake your foundation or you stand through it because of the strength of your foundation. I want to have a church full of homes that are built on the rock, that are doing to the best of their ability what it says to do. And I know our salvation is not built off of works. But our works follow our decision. There are things that the scripture says to do. It says to forgive. There's a reason it says to forgive. Because if you're building your home on a foundation of unforgiveness you're going to have a weakness that may not show up in your first level like when you get a job and you add that weight to your foundation but then you get a marriage and you add that to your foundation there are going to be some cracks in the wall because somewhere those weaknesses in the foundation are going to show their ugly head and that's why God is Gave us his word not to condemn us, but to heal us. We just sang it. It's his will that my life is healed. And so I love this passage in Matthew 7. And I think it's a great place to start on teaching on our home. Because there's, if ever there was a place to practice applying the word of God, it's at home. And it's great if we're, if we're applying it to our neighbor. But your wife needs it. Your husband needs it. Your children need it. Your mama needs it. We, we need each other flowing from the word of God. So your foundation matters. And it determines the effect that life events have on you. Isn't it good to go home when you've got a good home? Amen. And I'm not talking about the structure of the home. That's great too. But when you go home and there's peace at home, we've got to have it. Do what it takes to get it. Do what it takes. Love it when you say, I'm going home. You work on that home until you get it to the place where when you're leaving work and you're not saying, i got to go home. But I'm telling you, when we pull through the gate, I tell Rusty this all the time, the first thing I see is a sign that Tanya got me for my house when we built it two years ago. It's good to be home. Home is good. That's, that's where we're headed. So we're going to hit it for a couple of weeks, if that's all right with y'all. If you don't have it, you can have it. God has a way, right? We're just going to be doers of the word. Some of you have built your foundation on your experiences. You've let experiences build your foundation. Everything you've done in life has been built off of your experiences. And if that was hell, then... And it's been tough stuff ever since. You built your whole life on it. You see everything through that lens. 
All of your decisions in life are based off of your own biography. We got a different book to read. And I know it's hard when we start talking about seeing things through a different lens than what we've experienced. It has to be supernatural for that to take place. Because we can't help but see life how we've seen life. Except God's word has an anointing on it to change how you think. It has an anointing on it, an anointing on it. It's not just words. Positive affirmations are great and they're powerful. But the word of God has his anointing on it. And if we're willing to accept his word over our past and to accept his word over our lens and to see things through God's word instead of seeing things through what happened to me or what I've done or what's been done to me, then we can start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And when we see ourselves the way God sees us, we see other people different. I mean, it totally changes it. I know, you know, I went through, and I still deal with it sometimes, a time in my life where I was bitter. I was mad. I was disappointed. So you know what I was? Mean. Just stay quiet up here. I didn't want to be, but I was so bitter. I was so hurt that life didn't go the way I thought it should go. And I began to see everything with skepticism. Because what I thought I could trust in, I couldn't trust in. I was trusting in the wrong thing. So what do you do? I mean, what do we do? If we've been living life based off our own biography, what do we do? When I start thinking about how much my foundation matters to my outlook and how much my foundation matters to my marriage and how much my foundation matters in my parenting and grandparenting now, how much my foundation matters down here on this job doing what I do and how much our foundation matters in my friendships, in my, my family relationships, then that makes me want to bring some change because those are all the things that matter to me. Before there is anything or anyone else, this is a great revelation, came to me this morning. Before there's anything or anyone else, there's me. I'm going to turn this on you and look at you because it really is bothersome with y'all all looking and blaming me. Before there's anything or anyone else, there's you. That, that stings a little more, doesn't it, Brad? There's you. And this isn't a message of condemnation. This is a message of change. You know, how many times are we taught there can't be change until we see the truth? The Word of God is our mirror. It doesn't hide anything from me. At the same time, it doesn't just show me my fault. It shows me the way. It shows me the better way. It shows me that there's actually options in how I am. This is what God asked me this morning. How are you alone? 
I don't, I don't try to be deep. I'm a real simple person. I like it real simple. So I'm not trying to be deep here. I'm just, it's a real simple question. How are you alone? How am I alone? Because I can blame a lot of things on Rusty. He can blame a lot of things on me. But how are we alone? Because if we're not good alone, what makes us think that adding another person to that equation is going to make it better? What, what makes us think that adding a different job or a different boss, oh, if I get a different boss, this will be better. No, how, how are you alone? And most of the time what we're going to find is if we're having trouble in every other relationship, we have a trouble with us. And God wants that healed. He wants that dealt with. He loves us. And he wants us to love ourselves. First of all, we can't love our neighbor except we love ourselves. And that's not an out-of-line love. I'm not, I'm not talking about out-of-line. But I'm talking about love ourselves for who we are in Christ Jesus. See ourselves that way. And as tough as it is, he wants us to start off this teaching by deconstructing all of our blame and issues that we have with other people and answer the question, how am I? Blame has a purpose. You know what the purpose of blame is? So you don't have to look at yourself. I was listening to a really good coach yesterday. His wife is here somewhere. I was listening to a coach talk to a player. And he said, quit blaming everything else. Quit making excuses for everything else and listen to what I'm telling you. And my ears just perked up to that and I thought, that's it. That's it. That's what blame does. Well, you didn't, it wasn't thrown right or it wasn't, you know, all these different excuses we can have. And, and God just says, I want to deal with you. You're his child. I'm his child. And he just wants to deal with us. And that, I believe that's what he's going to be doing today. And hopefully next week will be a fluffy message. All pastors love the fluffy messages. Just every now and then he looks me in the face and he says, Hey, how are you? How are you alone? Our personal relationship with God and his word, our personal participation and response to his word is where our healing is it's where it is it's when we hear something and it hits us and we know God just touched me he just touched a spot that needs some healing then get ready for instruction because he didn't just want to point it out he wants to close it up that's the kind of God he is. He wants to deal with it. He wants to heal it. This is where the truth is found. This is where true change is made. Is right here in his word. Turn me to Psalm 111. This, the next two verses are places that we're going to look at. Psalm 111 and Proverbs 9 is a real simple truth that we have to wrap our heads around. It's foundational to our Christianity. Psalms 111 verse 10 says this. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't know that God is God and he's right, then you're going to live like a fool. That's what it says. That's Susan's version. You're going to live like a fool. If you do not respect God's word enough to know that it is the truth, his way is right, and it's good, it's for your good, you don't know that and respect that, then, then you don't fear the Lord, and it is the beginning of wisdom. It's where it starts. You know what, God? This hadn't gone too well my way. This hasn't worked out well for me. I'm submitting how I think to you, what I'm doing to you. Show me something different. Show me how you know this will work. How am I going to put this family back together again? How am I going to get a job again? How am I going to, how am I? And submit your mind to him and start looking in his word for his answers and start participating in it. Going back to Matthew that we read a while ago, being a doer of it. That's when things change. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. You'll have good understanding. I need understanding. I've had failed marriage. I don't want another one. Thank you, babe. I got one amen. Proverbs 9, the book of wisdom Man, if you don't know where else to start, go to Proverbs. If you need wisdom in your life, go to Proverbs and start reading. It, if, if you've got a problem with it, he's got an answer to it in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 9, verse 10, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. Isn't that good? If you're wise in business, your wisdom will reward you. If you're wise in your marriage, wisdom will reward you. If you're wise in your parenting, wisdom will reward you. But if you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. We got a choice. That's the good news. We have a choice. He has an answer to whatever we're facing. So we, we have an opportunity to look at our foundation today and say, you know, there's something I need to work on in my marriage. And if you're to a place that there's something, there's not anything you need to work on in your marriage, I want to know you. I want to study you. Are you there? Okay. I'm watching Brittany's face to see. You know, but we can learn from each other. I see some of you have some wonderful, your marriage may not be perfect, your home might not be perfect, but you have something that I'm lacking and I'm attracted to it in your family. Can I, can I talk about some of you just a minute if it's good? If it's good. If it's good. Some of you know how to have fun in your family. I'm too serious sometimes. Looking for my daughter up there, too. I'm too serious sometimes. Sometimes I have to remember that not everything is a mission. And sometimes you just need to play cards. Or you just need to be goofy. 
I, I generally have to wait till about midnight before the goofy turns on. Rusty knows if mom and I are together and it's anywhere near, near midnight, it's fixing to get goofy. But you know what? Sometimes you might need to look in the mirror and say, are you ever fun? I get an amen from Bo. Bo, you might need to bring it down a step or two, bro. That's for you, SJ. Y'all are going to be one of my examples. It doesn't matter where I see y'all, in the bakery, in the t-shirt shop, you're having fun. That's a testimony of your marriage. That is attractive to me. Thank you for that. (laughs) Collins family. Sometimes they can't even sit here in service. They can't look at each other because they will, they will get called out for laughing. And who knows what they're even laughing about. I just said a word that reminded them of a story that Mary is so good at acting out. And the whole group just loses it. And I'm, I'm over here talking serious. God's saving somebody. And the whole Collins family's just lost it. You know what? This whole rest of this congregation is attracted to that goofiness. See, I've lost her for the rest of the day. Some of you are very tender towards each other. You're affectionate towards each other. Mom will tell you, me growing up all my life, I was not real affectionate. Wasn't a touchy-touchy person. Little Tom Underhill blood going here. But there's the Shaw side. And they are affectionate. If you, if you stand still or don't stand still, they're going to hug you. They're going to love you. They're going to talk to you. You just drop my grandmother off the grocery store and pick her up two hours later just so she could visit. She lived alone. She didn't have that many groceries. But we would drop Mima off and leave her, and she'd still be talking to somebody on aisle one when we come back to get her. I'm, that's attractive to me. So we can... We can change. So put yourself around people that you need those attributes and loosen up a little bit or calm down a little bit if needed. (laughs) We can be better. He loves us how we are, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want to grow us. Dating won't make it better. those who aren't married yet. Singleness is a very special time. It's... <laughs> Mary, you're married. You, you amen at the wrong time. You lost half the congregation. Somebody send Ricardo this. Those of you who are currently legally single... Singleness is a special time. I never valued it. I'm telling you as a grandma, because I'm in that category now, value that time. How are you alone? When you can say, I'm good alone, then you can look at adding somebody else to the picture. Can I get an amen from the married people? Amen. All right. 
More money won't make it better. More money won't make you better. A better boss won't make it better. How are you? Marriage won't make it better. How are you? A baby, by all means, church, listen to me. Don't try to fix your marriage by adding a baby. Don't do that to that baby. Babies are precious. They're valuable. Man, if I had it to do over again, I don't know, I can't even tell you how many babies I would have. It's over. Sarah Abraham. I would. I'd, I'd have a whole house full of them. I love them. Oh my goodness, I grab Emily and Braden and Grayson and Jordan Paul and I just I squeeze them till I grant. Now when I pick Jordan Paul up, when I, as soon as I pick him up, he starts going, ooh. He knows what's coming. I'll say I missed you so much in my heart. I go a day without seeing those kids and I miss them. I feel that way about Chelsea and PJ and Brittany too but, and Grant, but you know, they don't take the squeezes quite as well. But they won't make your marriage better. They won't make your marriage better. Actually, all of these things add weight to a foundation. They add weight on a foundation. Marriage and jobs and children, they're all good. But you need a foundation for them. We were building our house a couple of years ago. It seems impossible, but I think it's been two and a half years. And we, we have a, a tall fireplace and a wide fireplace. It has a lot of weight to it. We wanted this monstrosity. I wanted Rusty to feel like he was at Bass Pro without going and spending the money at Bass Pro. <laughs> so we just built a Bass Pro fireplace, and then that way he kind of feels like he's there without spending so much money. So when they were building the foundation, they looked ahead at the plans, at the blueprints, and they said, oh, this girl wants a big fireplace. You know what they did? They built the foundation for the weight of the fireplace. They said, we need more stability right here to hold this thing up. The rest of the house got regular concrete. But that area got more support because there was going to be more weight on it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Look ahead. Good looking row of Stokes boys over there. Single godly, wonderful young man, look ahead and go, you know what? That's what I want. So if that's what I want, this is what I need to hold it up. Thank you, Mother. Here's the good news, because I know some of you are sitting there going, well, thanks for this. I've got seven kids and a couple exes and a current. So thanks for, you know, telling me to look ahead. It's a little too late to do the right thing now. The good news is even if, even if you've built a life and you realize there's some instability in the foundation, 
You can call the ocean man or whatever that commercial is. There's something you can do. It can be strengthened. It can be corrected. It can be stabilized. Even while you've got all these things. As easy? No. I'm not going to lie to you. It's easier to do it from the get-go. But it can be done. You can go back through and read stories of people in the Bible. He did it all the time. Went back, helped them change, grew them, strengthened them, corrected them. And it will bring peace to the entire already existing structure if you will stabilize you. Stop putting it off on somebody else. What your kids are doing, how your kids are living, what your boss is doing, what your husband, what your wife, what anybody else is doing. And let's just bring it back to, how are you? How are you? Psalm 139 makes a statement that is so powerful. We've talked about it many times before. I think we did a whole series on it at one time. But Psalm 139, 23, search me. Oh God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Oh, so many times when we go to prayer to God and we need help, we're talking about the other person, aren't we? We're talking about the other people. How about search me, God? How about search and know my heart? Try me and know my thoughts. Oh, man. God, know my thoughts. Yeah, if we want to change, God, know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Know how I think. And see if there is any grievous way in me or any offensive way in me. And then lead me in the way that's everlasting. Search, know, see, and lead. That's what we're asking God today. Search, know, see, and lead. Lead me in the way that's everlasting. You know what everlasting sounds like to me? Strong, stable, forever, lasting, secure, unshakable, solid. That's the way I need. That's, that's what I need in my life. That's what the people around me need in my life. God's way works. And we can get on it. And, and look, if you're going through a relationship separation, l- let me just say, I'm not, I'm not saying for you to go back. Only God knows what's going on. Okay? It's not my place. Only God knows what... Take this and just ask yourself, how am I? Let's just start there. And then he'll let him lead you. Fair enough? Let him lead you. Start with what we started with this morning. Where am I? How am I? As we continue to study this on the weeks to come, we need to be prepared to apply what we learn to do something with what we've heard, to participate in the opportunity to change. We're just starting something today. You know, we're just just starting ourselves off with a question, but we want to grow. So, you know, if we get into subjects that are hard sometimes, some things will be hard to hear, some things may be hard to apply, 
I just want you to remember why we're doing it. Because we don't want to stay how we are. Right? Romans 12 has to come into play here. And I know that if you've been at RCC very long, you're pretty familiar with Romans 12. It's very foundational, but it is so important that we realize how we change. And that we can. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of, of getting to the point where we realize this is how our marriage is, but it can change. This is how I've been parenting. You know, jerking little Susie by the hair, you know, that's not going to fly. It's not going to bring the results. My mother never did that, by the way. Um, it's not going to bring the results that you want. We're trying to get results the wrong way. He knows the way. And so we have to open up. We have to be able to let some things go and to implement some new things if we're going to have new ways. And so Romans 12 deals with our minds. And he starts off and he says, I appeal to you. You know what it means? I'm begging you. The apostle said, I am begging you to hear what I am about to say. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, this is out of the Amplified, from the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication. I like it. Make a decisive dedication. Decide right now, this is on. <laughs> this is on. I'm going to do this. Make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Does that sound like you're going to lay it down? Sure it does. Holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service. This is your spiritual worship. You laying it down, dedicating it to God, that's true worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned after and adapted to its customs, but be transformed, changed, metamorphosed, morphed, if you're young, like a transformer. Be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind. How are we going to change? My mind. How's your marriage going to change? Oh, you can say it out loud. I want to hear you. My mind. How's your parenting going to change? I can tell you are so excited about this. How's your job going to change? See, I got loud. Y'all are supposed to respond by getting loud. How's your family relationships going to change? Oh, man. Why'd y'all come to church today? You wouldn't have been responsible for this if you hadn't come. My mind. My mind. Listen to this in the Amplified. By the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude 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 anybody need a new attitude in some areas 
This is how you get it. Romans 12. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are you going to get that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in your life? Read above. My mind. <laughs> Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So we got to quit being molded, shaped by our life experiences by the world around us, by the examples of marriage. Look, the rest of the people out there don't even have a definition of what that means. They don't even know the definition of woman. Our whole theme this year for Ladies Agape is defining woman. Because we got to know how God sees woman. If we don't have that foundation, marriage will never be right. Life has tried to shape you. This world has tried to shape you. It's tried to, th tried to shape your thinking. But God is asking us to place ourselves in his word and allow his word to reshape us to his image and his design. Because that's where peace is. That's where life is. And that takes a letting go of some things. And it takes implementing some really new ideas. And when you start implementing a new idea, don't stop just because you trip up a few times. If you want it, you keep going for it. Just apologize. Back her up and throw her in forward again. Because the way we've been, if we didn't like it, we're not going to like it the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, or the seventh time. So just keep growing. God is great at standing with us as we grow and instructing us. I'll end with Proverbs 24. You know, when you're retraining anything, a horse, a dog, your brain, an employee, it's, it's always easy to default back. I remember one time we did a teaching on Romans 12, and we talked about ruts in a road. Remember that? And that's kind of where our minds have always gone, the way we've always thought. And the more we think it, the deeper that rut gets. And, and when, you're in, when you're driving in a rut, it's really hard to get out of it. It's just easier to stay in the rut and drive where that pathway has always been. But if it's not leading where you, where you want to go, jump the rut. <laughs> You know, and, it, and if you default back into that rut, then you, you just, you have to, you can't just quit thinking a certain way. You have to start thinking a new way. Fill in the rut with what's right. And you do that with the Word of God. God, what did you say? God, how do you see this? You know, and fill in the rut so you, you quit don't just quit. Don't say, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to think that way. 
that's great to say I'm not going to think that way, but following that has to be this is how I'm going to think. This is how I'm choosing. That's that decisive dedication of this is how I see my husband. This is how I parent my children. So don't just say I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. You're just, you're just driving in the rut. You're keeping your mind there. Fill it in with what's right. It has nothing to do with Proverbs 24. Well, I guess it does. Proverbs 24, verse 3 out of the Amplified says, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, and a family built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. When I read that today, I thought, you know what? That sounds like everything I want. Good home, and I mean atmosphere, not structure. Good home, good family relationships. Every area of life being filled with precious and pleasant things. That's what we're all looking for. But it's found through skillful and godly wisdom. So i got to apply it. Even when I don't feel like applying it, I look at the end result and I have to apply it. And that's when you have to override the flesh. Because your mouth wants to say something that it shouldn't say to someone in your family or your boss or whoever. And if you don't have the restraint, what restrains you is you want the end result so you crucify the flesh. And if you don't have a plan and where you want to be in mind, then the scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. There, and when you look that up, it literally means there is no restraint. So if you don't have a vision of a good marriage, you won't restrain your mouth. And you won't restrain your actions. But if you have the vision of a good home, then it will make your decisions. Your decisions will be based off the vision. We got it? We got enough to work on this week? How am I alone? That's what we're going to think about. And then we'll hit some more stuff next week. I appreciate your listening. You're great listeners. Now let's be great doers. All right, you can stand. If you need prayer after service, there will be a couple of us up front. We'd be glad to pray with you privately. Uh, if it's has to do with home issues, or if you need to be born again, you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord, anything you need prayer for, several of us will be up front, and we would be thrilled uh, to pray with you and to get into agreement with you. So, Father, I thank you for the homes that are represented here, homes of, of all sizes, Father, one person to many people. Father, what we do know is that you want our lives well you want our lives healed. You want us to, to, to live in peace. And from that peace, we can flow out to other people and help other people and do what you have for us to do in the kingdom. But it's all going to start right here, right here with us. So, Father, we ask that you see.
that you search, that you see, that you know, and that you lead us in the things that you're dealing with each one of us individually. And Father, if, if there's couples in the room, just help our conversations uh, for us to encourage each other. Uh, we, we're here to deconstruct anything that's built wrong, not to deconstruct each other. We're here, to, we're here to build each other up, to help each other as you're helping us. So we just ask, Holy Spirit, because you're the teacher of the church, that you help us with that. For those that are in home confusion right now, I just call for peace. You know, Father, you know each and every situation. It is not my place to say when I don't know. So, Father, we just, we just call for peace for the people that are having to make decisions. Life decisions, Father, that you would guide them through a way of peace, that they'll know the right decisions to make, the right move for them to make, the right things for them to do. You could get them to a place of health. We give you honor. We give you glory and praise for our families and our homes. It is in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, we'll see you up front.